Well, welcome to the Love Your City podcast, coming to you all the way from Washington, D.C. Letitia, welcome. Yeah, thank you, To the Sam. capital of the universe. I love uh, D.C. Been here a few times now, and it's just a great city. We've had a lot of fun looking around in Absolutely. the freezing cold, mind you. It was very cold, um, slipping on ice on the streets. It's a, it's a, it feels a long way from little old Toowoomba. It sure does. But it is such a such a pleasure and so exciting to be here for what we're here for. Yeah, we are here for the 100 Cities Global Summit. Mm. So leaders from 100 cities around the world that are wanting to see gospel movements happen in mm. their city. So we're going to be hearing a whole bunch of stories, um, yeah. talking to different people, being inspired and hope sh- hopefully being able to bring it back to our own city. Yeah, I think the fact that it's called the 100 City Summit, but there's something like 180 cities yeah, represented. <laughs> just speaks of the fact that gospel movements are happening in mm. cities all around the world. It's when you speak to people who are well travelled, um, looking around, and hopefully we'll interview some of these people, um, and they get to travel around to different cities and see what God's doing. There is a similarity and a theme across it all that is just unmistakably the hand of God yeah. in what He's doing in cities, city transformation. Um, and uh, while we're here, it's just like a candy shop for our podcast. There's so many, <laughs> so many uh, things around. You sort of get overloaded with all these stories. Who do we interview, and, and who can we add to our list? But um, we we are having the pleasure of having some great conversations. We sure are. And you're sounding like an American already, saying candy. Candy. Who says Lolly? candy? Lolly, Lolly shop. Lolly. Oh man. <laughs> well, if I start speaking with an accent, you can let me know. Um, we interviewed uh, Adam Durso. Uh, what a champion. Yeah. Wow amazing guy in new york city and um i mean for most of our listeners who would be for all 47 of our listeners who are probably in toowoomba (laughs) um new york seems a a mile away from their context and yet new york is a significant city arguably the most significant city in our world in terms of setting the course for the rest of the world and what what adam is involved in is incredible yeah what i love about his story because quite often i hear people in australia Mm. particularly from the larger cities say well it's it's easy for you guys in toowoomba you're in a smaller city and it's easy to build unity but adam's doing it in a in a city the size of new york and and having some great success yeah brilliant well let's not take up more time let's uh let's now go to our interview with adam terso from new york city well here we are in washington dc and uh, thrilled to be joined by Adam Durso. Welcome, Adam. Ah, glad to be with you. We're thrilled to have you with us, mate. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from, what you do. Well, secretly, I really want your accent. That's just the whole thing. Just right there. Okay. I want you to know that I wish I had your accent. I feel the same way about you, though. You so. really? I don't have an accent. <laughs> so give us your best Australian accent. Yeah, go on. You've, you've no, 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 no. Come no, on. Yeah. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. Yeah, okay, no, that's, that's pretty that's bad. really bad. Yeah, yeah. Really, practicing. really bad. Um, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. Uh, lived there my whole life. And um, I actually um, gave my heart to the Lord. Uh, I was a pastor's kid that rebelled against the church and gave my heart to the Lord at 19 years old. Mm. Started a youth group with 18 kids that grew to be the largest youth ministry in New York City. Wow. Uh, We had a line around the block that looked like a club or a dance hall to get in on a Friday night Mm. with 800 junior high school and high school students showing up every Friday night. The New York Times picked up on the story and found that the New York Police Department could track crime rate dropping in direct proportion to the amount of young people that were coming in the building. And then once the Times did it, it just it kind of circulated. And so had the opportunity to pastor with my dad for 20 years, build great relationships across New York City. Um, And uh, about three years ago, felt like the Lord was just prodded my wife and I to uh, step out and do something different. Not exactly sure what that would look like. Mm. I had known Mac Peer, who founded uh, Movement Day in the New York City Leadership Center from even before that, when he had led Concerts of Prayer Great in New York. 
I served on his board in my 20s when um, he had like the who's who of pastors on this board. I mean, I should have just like been a lot more quiet and just asked a lot more questions. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Mac and I just always had a great relationship. It was always about empowering younger leaders. Mm -hmm. And um, and so he said, would you would you come help me? And they were leading into the uh, Global Cities event at the Javits Center. And so at that time, it kind of was synergistic with where I was and trying to figure out what God had next for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, during that period of time, what we realized was uh, as Movement Day was growing in its global footprint, um, we needed to make sure we had a refocus back on New York City. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. it was it had been birthed in New York, but it was clear that the expansion and ownership and involvement was far outside of New York. And um, we need to make sure the metropolitan re region and New York City had an ownership in Movement Day New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, asked me to become the executive director of uh, the New York efforts. Mm. We rebranded that lead.nyc. And yeah. uh, just because the New York City Leadership Center was just way too long, took up <laughs> all the characters on Twitter. It was a problem. Every time we went to post <laughs> something, it was just like the you just put the title out there and there was just nothing else to say. You know, the whole thing, 140 characters were gone. Yeah. And so um, I've been leading that for the last uh, two plus years now yeah. and excited about what God's doing. That's fantastic. Right. Um, tell us, I mean, this is Love Your City podcast. You obviously love New York. Love you New York. You were born and bred. What do you love about your city? You know, there, there's, something, there's something about New York. There's an energy. It's almost um, unquantifiable until you're there and you realize, no, 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 you can feel it. And mm -hmm. visitors feel it. And yeah. people self-select about New York. It's interesting. You know, you watch people. They come to New York and some people just absolutely fall in love with it and say, man, I love the energy. I love the fact that it's a city that never sleeps. I love the fact that it's, you know, Times Square is lit up. And, you know, it's this, you know, there's as many people on the street at four in the morning as there are at four in the afternoon. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just awesome. Other people are just like, I can't, I don't know how you live there. The busyness, the noise, all that yeah. stuff. To me, if it's too quiet, I can't sleep at night. You know, I yeah. like a little bit of honking horn. And <laughs> sirens, it just it puts me at ease. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's something about the energy of New York that once you're born and raised there, you yeah. almost feel like you can't live anywhere else because there's just no city quite like it. Mm. No, that's that's for sure. Adam, I'm interested. We, we feel miles away from what you just described. Yeah. We live in a small town, a small city in Toowoomba uh, in Australia. And uh, but but I think there's a there's something I want to draw out from what you're describing before you, you you became a pastor you started a youth group all that sort of thing. Tell me about the transition if there was even one from leading a church and being so in involved in the church and building up the local church to having a heart for the city. Because mm. in my context, there's, you have to make a shift in your mind in your heart or whatever it is. Has that been true for you? I, you know, I think you know New York is is interesting in that you know we're at, we're roughly around 8.5 million people. It's a very densely populated. It's not spread out, unlike other cities like Chicago or LA in in, in America, where they're very spread out. Yeah. Even if they have a lot of people, New York is very densely populated. Swells they tell us to close to 20 million people on the average workday. Um, and so when you're that densely populated and it feels like a melting pot and you have all these cultures always kind of um, mixing and mingling and, and around it, it's very easy to still have a heart for the city even though you have a heart for your local church. Sure. And so I guess I always grew up uh, feeling like uh, our local church expression is important, but God's has given me a heart 
for relationship beyond just our four walls and our building. So whether that was the impact on the local community, whether that was relationship with other pastors, uh, God had opened up doors and I knew that it was my responsibility to steward those relationships. I knew that in the kingdom, everything flows through relationship and you're one relationship away from anything you need in the kingdom. And so uh, that was very important. Then the mayor, uh, we had an event where a um, officer, a police officer and who had been part of our church for 14 years uh, was murdered in Brooklyn. And we, um, I officiated the funeral with 25,000 police officers showed up, the vice president, uh, the mayor, the governor. At this time, our city was in turmoil. The police officers were turning their back on the mayor, didn't, you know, it was, it was, it was just, it was, it was tough. And in that season was the time I got close to the mayor. And so I was still pastoring a local church. Um, I was executive pastor, pastoring alongside my dad, this huge youth group, youth, the church is growing. And yet now the mayor is saying, hey, um, you're the youngest guy, but we want you to be on the clergy advisory council and wow. serve uh, a very progressive mayor uh, by any standards across the globe. And so um, I, I just learned that at, at any point, God is doing something bigger than just the yeah. one area you're responsible for. And so I think in that, um, it really was a training ground more than it was a paradigm shift for me. Yeah, sure. It was like God was training my heart, my mind, my paradigm, my my to be uh, seeing the city in a broader perspective than just my local church. That's brilliant. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about just something you said there about working with a mayor who's very progressive. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, right? If, so if Joseph waits for Pharaoh to agree with him on theology, he gets nothing done. If Nehemiah is waiting for the king to, you know, agree on his, uh, you know, Judeo uh, uh, practices, <laughs> it's just not happening. And, and by the way, if we think liberal now, Imagine what liberal was then. Yeah, if we don't yeah. think these men were uh, misogynistic, if we don't think these men were living lifestyles that were just crazy, and yet godly men yeah. did not shrink away yeah. from being godly yeah. and yet being right in the center yeah. of where political decisions were being made and government decisions were being made for the impact of not just the city but the nation. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I look at Joseph and Joseph's brought out and 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 and, and Pharaoh's like, hey, I got this dream. And he's like, well, not only do I have the interpretation of the dream, that makes him the chief magician. Yeah. He has the interpretation of the dream and he has a plan. His yeah. leadership attributes rise to the top. And he says, I can, I can help you facilitate the interpretation of that dream and the plan that's going to save Egypt. Yeah. Positioning him to not only save Egypt, but to save his people then winds up. I mean, it's just, to me, that's, that's my heart. And so I don't have any problem. Yeah. I, I text the mayor. He texts me the day after movement day to say, hey, Adam, um, you know I would have been there. That was the week we had all the letter bombs in New York and wow. uh, said I would have been there. I want you to know I heard it was great. Anything you need, I'm behind you. Mm. Blessings, Bill. I'll take that any day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to call him Bill, but I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm, you know what? If the mayor of New York wants to be behind the godly initiatives and has an appreciation for the church, I think Absolutely. we need to be right in the middle of that. That's Definitely. brilliant. Yeah. Now, you just held your um, movement day in yeah. New York uh, about a month ago, October. Um, so before, in a, in a meeting, you were talking about some of the issues here in New York. Just tell us um, what are some of the biggest painful issues? I, I think, you know, in a, in a city... Um, our size, and I think I don't think this is indicative only to New York. The separation between haves and have-nots, the rich and the poor, just continues to get wider. And so I look at New York in a place where it's incredibly expensive to live, real estate's off the charts, you know, um, and yet you've got people that have been living there for a long time, people that have had generations in parts of New York, and now they're being 
they're being priced out, mm. you know, and, and, and the school system is not able to handle the amount of kids. And so uh, kids with special needs or, or, or kids with, um, that have uh, learning disabilities are being completely pushed to the outer fringes. And so in, here in, in, in the U.S., we are, we are number 17 at graduating high school students. We're uh, number one at building prison cells. Wow. They're basically taking the standardized tests of fourth graders and deciding how many prison cells they're going to need. Not thinking, hey, a fourth grader's not, you know, we could fix this. They're basically saying a fourth grader, let's figure out how many prison cells we're going to need because if that kid's not up to remedial math and English, that kid's going to wind up in jail. And so uh, we began to take a look and saying, okay, what does it look like for the constituency that's coming to Movement Day, the nonprofit leaders, uh, the government leaders, the pastors, the marketplace leaders to concentrate around the 10 most vulnerable zip codes uh, in New York, start with the first two, and then every year for the next five years, track the metrics around the impact of the faith community while launching two new zip codes, specifically around four areas, Mm -hmm. high school graduation rates, um, remedial math and English of elementary school students, uh, teenage pregnancy, Mm -hmm. and um, juvenile justice. And we know uh, on any given night, 90% of every kid that's locked up in a juvenile facility in New York comes from one of these 10 zip codes. Yeah, these 10 zip codes represent a very small fraction of the population, mm-hmm. but because of where they are, because of the societal issues, because of the cyclical nature of poverty, mm-hmm. they're the ones most likely to be locked up on a given night. And when a kid gets locked up, the likelihood that that kid's going to break the cycle of poverty is just... And so when we look at the holistic nature of the gospel, we believe... When Jesus said he came to set the captive free, that means every aspect of their life, mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. there's freedom available. And yeah. so um, it's, it's not just the gospel demonstrated in their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they're going to go to heaven. But in the earth, they can break off the chains of yeah. cyclical poverty and yeah. historic uh, injustices that are, yeah, are pre- mm. prevalent all over New York City. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Did you go into Movement Day with that figured out or was that it was that the like did that come out of movement day a month ago so uh 2017 we do this movement day 90 percent new yorkers four times more new yorkers than ever had come but we realized having more church folk did not mean more influence in the city and so we knew we had to change the model and so we started to think about what would it look like to have 400 of the right leaders in the room yeah. representing these different spheres of influence we wanted to make sure uh, one of the things that uh movement day had been um really the constituency had represented an older audience it was 55 and older was the average age it was mostly men mostly people in suits um uh mostly white guys in suits and so we wanted to change that one of the things we had a commitment to is we want at least 25 percent of the room to be women we hit over 30 percent we wanted that we wanted to make sure that at least 25 percent of the room was under 40 because we can't keep talking about young people without having them in the room we had 38 percent of the room were under 40 and so when we started to have conversations, facilitated conversations with nonprofit leaders, with pastors, with marketplace leaders, with government leaders, the same four issues kept rising mm-hmm. to the top. Yeah. And it was like, wait, why are we having this conversation together? Mm-hmm. Because it's clear everybody says this is a problem. Mm-hmm. We're just not in the same room having the conversation. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we started to realize, well, if we had more conversation and less plenary talks, and we limited the plenary talks to 18 minutes, but you know, had more of the room facilitated. So we then decided, all right, well then, less than 25% of the room needs to be plenary, and the other 80, you know, close to 80% of the room needs to be facilitated discussion. We needed to start realizing that 
the smartest person in the room wasn't any wasn't on the stage at any one time. Yeah. The room was always smarter than that one person, yeah. and that was what came out of all of those discussions leading up to it, yeah. and then Movement Day itself. Yeah, wow, yeah, wow, fantastic. So you've been on this journey here in New York for about twenty years. Did I read somewhere that crime has dropped seventy percent because of the church praying? Oh, yeah, the murder rate. Yes, I mean when you look at the murder rate and the crack crack epidemic in in the eighties, I mean you're talking about a city that was running out of room in the morgues. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't bury any more people named John Doe. I mean there was just people that were dead everywhere. They were burning the bon the Bronx down. The, the term the Bronx is burning became a huge thing because people were burning down buildings um, because the insurance money that they could get was better than them trying to rehabilitate the area. And so you just had this just huge just crisis on our hands. And then um, churches began at the late uh, 80s to get together to pray. Uh, the, the 29th pastor's prayer gathering um, to go away with pastors, 300 pastors to pray together for 48 hours, that started right in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. And when those churches began to pray, do I believe there were other factors? Yes. Do I believe that God uses leaders and socioeconomic conditions? Absolutely. But the factor yeah. that nobody was talking about yeah. was yeah. pastors were praying. Pastors started, they started church planning across New York City. They started to realize that unity within diversity was greater than uniformity. And so we can argue about our our differences or lack of sameness. But the truth of the matter was we wanted to see God do something in New York. Mm -hmm. And then out of that, we've seen the, the murder rate drop. We've seen all mm -hmm. types of amazing things wow. happen in New York as a result of what God's doing. That's brilliant. Right. Adam, um, we just come out of a meeting where we've been talking about movement days happening all over the world. And you guys in New York are really setting the way, being the example for the rest of us. And we really appreciate you giving us time right ah, now thank before you, we eat. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, we were inspired by you, man, and keep going. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Yeah. See ya. Well, Letitia, take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take a breath around, Adam. What What a incredible human being in the hands of an incredible God. Yeah. Um, just a mover and a shaker. Just what what a life that he leads. It's a bit overwhelming. <laughs> It can be at times, but he's doing what God's called him to Absolutely. do, and that's really great. As, as we said in the intro, I think um, that there's so many people who would be thinking, yeah, but that's New York. It's miles away from where I am. Mm -hmm. But I think there's, some, well, there's so many key principles yeah. that he shared there. There's just three that I think would be worth highlighting for people to sort of think about and take into their own context. The first thing is he talked about you know, with, with their movement day, but as a philosophy, the engagement of women in leadership. Why is this important in a city gospel movement? Uh, because women uh, bring a whole different flavour to the mm. gospel movement than men. So if we're going to reach our cities, we need everyone involved, yeah, men absolutely. and women. And I think um, traditionally in the past, a lot of uh, church work particularly mm. has um, been man-focused. Yeah. Um, but they, because we're looking at the city, mm. um, yeah, he's really passionate about getting a lot more women to the table. Yeah. And there's probably you could probably extend that to minorities as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you need to have them represented. A, a, a city gospel movement won't happen with just white Caucasian males in suits. Yes. Um, you need to engage everyone. The next thing Adam, Adam talked about there that I know is a big deal for Movement Day, not just Movement Day New York, but Movement Day mm. globally, is raising up the next generation, engaging young leaders. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, they bring a whole new energy, a whole new creativity, mm. and um, the rapid pace at which our world is changing. We yeah. need them, um, and yeah. we need their voice. And they're just, yeah, they've got so much to offer. Absolutely. And I, I think that the truth that if, you, if we don't pass this over, this, this movement won't continue. No. It'll just die with the generation that holds it. Yeah. Uh, there's even some movement days around the world um, or movements, gospel, city gospel movements, 
thinking how to engage children, yeah. which I think is fantastic. Yep, I love um, that. And the third one there that we we talk a lot about, actually, we did we did a podcast really specifically about this, yeah. is the way that Adam, him personally, but also as the movement, they engage so much with their mayor, yeah, um, and 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 working alongside him as progressive as he is, working with Christians, um, yep. that's that's an important part of a city gospel movement as well. It's it is. Um, I mean, we're lucky in our city. We've got a mayor who's on side with our yeah. values, but yeah. um. But Adam's done really well, maybe a mayor who yeah. has different values but yeah. doesn't let that separate him from engaging um, with Absolutely. them and, and working together. So That's that's a that's a, a great nugget you just shared then. I mean, you might look at Toowoomba and go, yeah, but you've got a mayor who's so, it's so easy. Yeah. Well, you know, when you think of cities like New York, also Portland. We that's had a chat it. with someone from Portland uh, the other day and we know that Portland is considered the most progressive city in America. Yeah. And so, you know, and the fact that the Christians there are working with their mayor uh, you know, it's just it might just be a cup of coffee. It might just be a meeting set up to say, can we can we meet together and think about our city because we both love our city. Yeah. Um, man, this is this is the first of many podcasts that we'll we'll do while we're here in Washington, and I'm excited. Yeah. So stay You're tuned, pumped. people. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You shouldn't you shouldn't do you know personal jokes on because oh. people don't understand them. <laughs> <laughs> Signing off. All right, we're done. Thank you, Letitia. Bye.